This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good morning, family of God in South Africa. Praise God. Can't wait to see you just a few weeks away now. We'll be there with you. This morning's message is titled, 10 Reasons Why Praying in the Spirit is Important. Now, before we get into the 10 reasons, we're going to find out what praying in the Spirit is. What is it? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14 from the Amplified Translation. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. Now look at that carefully. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. But my mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit and helps nobody. What's that about? Well, we are a spirit being, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. The spirit man looks exactly like the physical man. All those in heaven right now look like they did on earth, exactly. If I go and see my mom right now in heaven, she'll look like a young person, uh, about 30 years old, and um, I recognize her, but her body is here on the earth in the grave. That's her spirit you're looking at and talking to. The spirit consists of or, or consists of or has in it a soul. And the soul is the world, mind, and emotions. Will, mind, and emotions. When a person dies, the world, mind, and emotions go with them to heaven. And they live in a physical body, which is temporary. And Jesus is coming back for it. Of course, he'll raise it from the dead and transform it into an eternal body like he has. But at the moment, you are a spirit being, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Now, according to this verse of Scripture, it's the heart or the spirit of man that's praying in tongues, and the mind is not participating. The mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit, helps nobody. In other words, it's not participating. The mind is not involved when I pray in my heavenly language. Now, this is a gift for everybody, just like salvation is a gift for everybody. Everyone can receive this gift, this heavenly prayer language. This is not one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer language that God gives to everybody. We understand that speaking in tongues is something we do from the heart or the spirit, same thing. The mind does not participate. It is not involved. This means I cannot pray in tongues in my mind. Say that I cannot pray in tongues in my mind. Say this, it's not possible to pray in tongues with my mouth closed. Say this, it's not possible to think in tongues. So if the tongue is not moving, we are not praying. If the tongue is not moving, I'm not praying. 
If my mouth is closed, I'm not praying. I may be enjoying the presence of God, but I'm not contributing. I'm not moving the ball forward in the kingdom of God. The mind cannot participate. It is the expression of the heart through the mouth. Verse 15 says, then what am I to do? The answer is, I'll pray with my spirit in other tongues, by the Holy Spirit that's within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. In other words, I can pray in my home language, in English, or whatever your home language may be, with your mind, by asking for the name of Jesus, or I can pray in tongues. Then he says, I will sing with my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, I will sing in tongues, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. That means I can sing in English, or my own language, whatever that might be, or I could sing in tongues. As I said, we are spirit beings, and the spirit of man needs to fellowship with God. This means I can pray in tongues, but I can also pray in my home language and ask for whatever I need. And I can use John 16, 23, which says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. And so I can stand on that verse, and he'll give it to me. We can pray both in tongues and in English. Therefore, we can lift up our hands and sing in our heavenly tongue, in a language our mind does not understand, or we can sing in our home language. Now, modern theologians, those who do not speak in tongues, try and tell us that speaking in tongues is a gift to learn foreign languages. A gift to learn foreign languages for missionaries. Well, if that were true, then our mind would understand what we are saying. If it was a gift to learn foreign languages, then my mind would know what I'm talking about. No, it's not that. That's not what we just read in the Bible. The mind doesn't understand. Do we need to pray? That's a big question. Do I need to pray? Some folks don't have an understanding of the importance of prayer. Does prayer make a difference? A lot of folks think it's not necessary. God's running everything anyway. Why should we pray? That's not true. If God were running everything, then God would force people to get saved. Because it's not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if God were running everything, then he'd force everybody to get saved, would he not? If he was running everything... He'd make sure everybody went to church if he were running everything. He'd make sure every believer pays their tithes. And he'd make sure that no one steals in the world. He'd make sure no one lies, tells lies in the world if you're running everything. No, the only people that God is in control of are those who are surrendering to him. Surrendering to him. We are living in a hostile world of people who do not want to know God. They do not want to obey God. 
people who are influenced by demons and evil spirits. That's what's driving this chaos in our world today. Demons and evil spirits. These unsafe people are working unconsciously towards establishing the throne of the Antichrist, the world dictator. They are controlled by demons and don't even realize it. If God were running everything, he would force everybody to accept Jesus as their savior because that's what the Bible says. If God were running everything, then God would be responsible for all the bad things happening in the world right now. So all the crime, violence, and stealing and looting, all the stuff that's going on that's bad, the murder, the rapes, everything, will all be God's fault if you're running everything. It's not. Not his fault. Here are scriptures to prove that the unsaved are under the influence of demons and Satan. The first one I want to show you is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that tells us Satan is the god of this world. Satan is the god of the unsaved. And the second one is Ephesians 2, verse 2. That tells us that Satan is controlling the actions of every unsaved person on the earth. The actions of every unsaved person on the planet is driven and managed and controlled by demons, and they don't realize it. That's Ephesians 2, verse 2. Then 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 tells us that the whole world lies under the sway or the influence of the wicked one. That's not talking about Christians, unless, of course, we allow him to. But the whole world is under his sway or control or influence. So it's obvious we must pray. The increase of evil in this world is a result of passive Christianity. I'll say that again. The increase of evil in the earth is because of passive Christianity. Christians have not been praying like they should or can or could. I'm talking about the worldwide church. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. That's what God said. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Now, why would, why would you ask a friend to come to supper while you have no intentions of feeding the friend? Now, just imagine your friend arrives for supper and you go outside to meet him when he gets out the car and you say, surprise, we didn't prepare anything for supper. We just wanted to play a joke on you. We're not going to eat. We've got no food. How would you think they would react to that? They probably think you've got a loose screw, right? Now, why would God ask you to pray while he has no intention of answering your prayer? Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer you. No, he's not. He's just kidding. Is God kidding? No. 
God won't tell us to pray and then look the other way. Not at all. Can you just imagine? God turns to Jesus and he says, look at that. Those poor people down there, what suckers. They think I'm going to help them because I told them I would. They believe me. Ha, ha, ha. We're not going to help them. Let them call all they want. God's not going to do that to us. That's so crazy. No. God will answer our prayers because he said he would. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will answer you. You would not dream of asking your friend for dinner without feeding him. So why would God ask you to pray if you had no intentions of answering your prayer? Let's say this together. I believe the Father told me to pray because he wants to help me. One dear desperate soul prayed this way. Dear God, if I were you and you were me, I would help you out of this mess. Therefore, I know you will help me out of my mess. All right, reason number one why we should pray in the Spirit, why it's important. We can pray specifically for those who are being discipled by us to grow spiritually. We can pray specifically for those we are discipling to grow spiritually. You can see that in the Bible, Galatians 4.19. My little children, for whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you. All right, so Paul writes to church and he calls them his little children because he led them to Christ. He says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again. Now, obviously, he's not going to give physical birth. This is talking about spiritual birth, obviously, right? Where people come to Christ and get born into the family of God. When Paul says, my little children, he's talking about his converts. Now watch these words. For whom I labor in birth. For whom I labor in birth. What is Paul talking about? He is saying, my intense praying in the spirit for you, for your salvation, was like giving birth in the realm of the spirit, like giving birth in the spirit realm. So he's praying so intensely in tongues for this group of people to be saved. And it's like giving birth with groanings and praying. All right, now notice this word, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. What's that mean again? Until Christ is formed in you. This means I prayed fervently in the Spirit the first time for you to be born again, and now I'm praying the second time for you to grow spiritually. Clearly, there are two different times when Paul labored in birth or labored in prayer. The first for their salvation, and the second for their spiritual growth and development. 
for the development of the nature of Christ, the character of Christ to be seen in them. He's praying that they would begin to show love, peace, meekness, joy, and so on in their lives. Let's go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, and he says, Ephesus, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you. So Ephesus is with Paul as he writes the letter to the church at Colossae, and Ephesus comes from Colossae, that's what he's telling them, and Ephesus is the bondservant of Christ. He is their pastor, and he's greeting them. Now he tells the church about Ephesus, and he says, He's always laboring fervently for you in prayers. So while he's here with me in Colossae, he's praying. While he's here with me, wherever me is at that time, he's praying for you in Colossae, laboring fervently, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, this verse also implies that Ephesus was praying in the spirit as Paul was praying in Galatians 4.19. Notice, laboring fervently for you in prayer. This implies giving birth in the realm of the spirit. Paul said he prayed for the church in Galatia until Christ is formed in them and that Ephesus prayed for the church in Colossae that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Therefore, we can see God is instructing us to pray in the Spirit for new converts to grow spiritually. The kingdom of Christ cannot advance without praying for baby Christians to grow spiritually. And those we are discipling, they'll fall by the wayside if we don't pray. The kingdom of Christ can't advance and the kingdom of Satan will continue to move forward until we pray. Therefore, we can see God is instructing us to pray in the spirit for new converts to grow spiritually. If your pastor needs your prayers and you need your pastor's prayers, then surely baby Christians need our prayers. The term labor in prayer tells us that this kind of praying is more than simply praying in our home language. It's more than saying, Father, I ask you for something in the name of Jesus. It's much more than that. That's not labor like a mother giving birth at all. When a woman gives birth to a child, labor takes place. There's a struggling until the new life comes forth. God uses this description of giving birth to help us understand that this kind of intense, fervent groaning in prayer in a heavenly language gives birth to God's plan for our life and for the lives of others. This kind of intense prayer gives birth to God's plan, God's blessing, salvations, Ephesus is giving birth to a whole church in Colossae. We could be giving birth to God's plan for our lives 
His plan for this church. His plan for CFC Johannesburg and CFC International. His plan for, CF, for, for Christianity across South Africa and Africa and around the world. This one man, Ephraim, was able to pray in such a way that the entire church membership would walk in the perfect plan of God. Not just God's acceptable plan, the perfect plan. If there is a specific area in your life where you are not sure what to do, you can say, dear Holy Spirit, please help me now to intercede for this situation that God's plan would become clear to me. That I may walk in exactly what he wants me to do. And then while you're praying, stop every now and again and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, I receive your guidance. Now, family, if one man could pray for the entire church to walk in the plan of God, then certainly you can pray for your life to walk in the will of God by praying in tongues. God will guide you when you pray that way. Romans 8, 26. The Spirit himself makes an intercession for us according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good when you pray in tongues and the will of God is accomplished. Now this refers to the good plan for your life that God will come out, that will come out because of your prayers. Colossians 4, 12, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, as we read before. It's talking about you having all that you need, the provision to carry out God's plan. See, praying in tongues not only causes you to walk in God's plan, but it also provides all the resources the financial provision, the tools you need to carry out God's plan. If you're not happy with what God's doing in your life, pray in tongues. When we intercede in tongues, God fixes everything. When the Holy Spirit takes charge, we will see many blessings come to our life. Spiritual blessings, mental blessings, social, family, financial, because we are giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity to take charge and to organize and to plan and to arrange our lives when we pray in tongues. I'd like to share with you a story to help us understand the wonderful blessings that come our way when we pray in tongues. Now, I've shared this story from time to time, but I believe this story will go perfectly in this message. So I'm going to introduce it into this teaching on 10 reasons why praying in the Spirit is important. All right, it's a simple story, but it's encouraging. I had an experience 
around about 1993. I was about 45 years old at the time. The experience had nothing to do with praying in tongues. But through the experience, the Holy Spirit was able to teach me a very valuable life lesson. The lesson has helped me understand the importance and blessing of praying in tongues. Pastor Viv and I went on vacation, as I said, I believe we're talking about 93, to the Isle of the Mauritius. I was really tired. I desperately needed a holiday. Pastor Viv and I went to the island which is off the east coast of Africa. And we had a wonderful time of rest. About a mile out to sea from the hotel we're staying at are two other much smaller little islands. And they were about 100 meters apart from each other. And we took this little ferry boat ride over there Every day was a beautiful little beach, a little hut there that served hamburgers and so on. Very nice. Nice place just to relax and get lost in the sun, lie on the beach. So I was doing this one day when I noticed the entertainment manager of the hotel was gathering everyone for a swimming race. A swimming race. That's exactly what I needed to do. Right. I'm just lying in the sun thinking, oh, so nice to just rest. Now he wants to organize a swimming race. So I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just lie here and act like I'm sleeping. So I closed my eyes, lying on my towel, and act like I'm sleeping. So I peeped, and there was about 50 people standing around me, and right in front of me was the entertainment manager from the hotel, all staring at me. So I thought to myself, I can't be the only guy lying on the beach that doesn't swim in this race. I had to get up. So I got up. Now, I am a good swimmer, and I grew up on the beach, and I understand the sea. There were about 50 guys that entered this race, and some with big bellies that are just concerned that they couldn't even swim, and some with rippling muscles. And I wondered, among this group, who would be a good swimmer, and who might win the race? So I was looking at everybody. I wanted to win the race, obviously. If I'm going to enter, I'm going to do my best to win. So I noticed this young guy in front of me who might have been a very good swimmer, I thought. Just then I heard somebody say right next to me, pointing at this young man. He said, hey, he's talking to his friend. This guy in front of us is the current Transvaal State champion. I thought, I knew it, I could see it. He's about 20 years old, he was ripped. I could tell he was exceptionally fit, 
and he was more than ready for this race. So I thought, okay, this is the guy I've got to keep my eye on and watch, stay close to him. He was a Transvaal swimming champion. I thought to myself, well, he's not the Natal swimming champion. In other words, he was not from the beach. And, and being a surfer, I knew that many Transvaals would come down to the beach and drown because they don't understand the, the sea, the currents and all that. That's a problem. It's the truth. The lifeguards would be pulling people out of the beach to see all the time from the Transvaal. Bless their hearts. So I thought to myself, okay, he might be a phenomenal swimmer in a pool, but he doesn't know the currents, I'm hoping. They give me some hope. I thought, well, I have a chance then because I can read the current of the ocean. I can look at it and tell what's going on. The tide was coming in. Tide is coming in, full strength, pouring into that lagoon between those two small islands coming in. As I said, about 100 meters apart, huge current rip coming in there. On the sides where we were standing, there's no appearance of a rip. But in the middle, about 40, 50 meters out from the shore, you'd have to run to keep up with it. So, and the race is about 200 yards long, 200 meters long. So, I thought to myself, what I'm going to do is I'm going to swim with all my strength, all my speed, as fast as I could, straight out towards the other island, right into the center of the rip and hope that this Transvaal champion takes the shortest distance between two points and swims along the shore. I was hoping he'd do that, not realizing the benefit of the current. And so, on your mask, he said, go. And we took off running, diving into the ocean. And I knew I was fit enough and strong enough to swim at top speed those 40, 50 meters without slowing down. I know when I, got, when I got there, I'd be exhausted, but at least I would get there at full speed. I couldn't do 200 yards, 200 meters, no, impossible. Not fit enough. So, when I got to the center of this rip, this current, I looked towards the, sh the, the, the shore to my left to see if I could find this man to see where he was. I got into the current and I just turned and I started coasting, just coasting towards the goal line, the finish line. And yes, I could see him. He was level with me when I got to the center, level with me, and he was in front of everybody. So the two, two of us were in the front. I could see him. But then I was just breathing and stroking breathing and stroking, just making sure that I kept swimming. My heart was going, pounding because of that exceptional sprint, but I just kept breathing and going. And I looked across and kept my eye on him, and I started moving ahead rapidly. By the time I got to the finish line, he was 30 meters back. He was in front, but 30 meters back. 
are won by such a big margin. And uh, when I got out the water, I was standing on the shore. The Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly in my heart and said, all you had to do was swim into the current and it carried you. And I know his voice and I said, yes. Then he spoke to me again and said, when you get up in the morning, all you have to do is use enough energy and effort and determination to spend time with me, to get into the spirit. Not the current, but the spirit. To get into the anointing. And the rest of the day, I will carry you into victory. The rest of the day, I will carry you into victory. You'll find, the Holy Spirit said to me, you'll find the current of my anointing and my grace will see you through the whole day. You'll beat the opposition. You'll beat the problems of life. You'll beat the devil. My grace and anointing will carry you to victory every time. And I remembered what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, Paul was the most successful apostle in the entire New Testament. And he wrote about 60% of the New Testament, more than half, himself. And all the rest of the apostles wrote the 40%. Paul went on more mission trips, one more converts to Christ, established more churches than all the other apostles. And Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. My, my, my. He said, I accomplished everything. I labored more abundantly. I worked harder than all the others, but yet not me. It was the grace of God carrying me. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling me. He said, like that current carried you, you just had a pedal. So my grace will carry you. If you'll just spend time with me in the morning, your day will succeed. My grace will carry you to victory every day. I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me, did it. He was my strength. Paul said the same thing in Philippians 4.13. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so can you, child of God. You can do all things through the strength of Christ, like the current carrying you along. Let's say this together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we can spend time in the Word and time worshiping God in the Spirit, if we can spend a little time in prayer in the morning, the Holy Spirit will carry us effortlessly 
through the day. Just like that current carried me effortlessly to win that race. Even though I was tired, worn out, struggling to breathe the rest of that race, I just streaked ahead. He's swimming his heart out against the coast, against the shore. But I won, hands down. If it was a straight race in the pool, he would have creamed me. But <laughs> he had no choice because I had the current on my side. But you know, it's never a straight race with God on your side. You're going to win. It's never fair when God's on your side. You're going to win. But if you're in a winning team with God on your side, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So praying in tongues, family, is very important. This is part one in our new series on the 10 reasons why praying is important. We're probably going to have four or five parts in this little mini-series. So, don't miss part two next weekend. Love you. Pastor Bev loves you. And we are praying in the Spirit for you every day. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.